everybody. Welcome to Imperfect Allies. I'm Richie. And I'm Chris. And we, man, we are here with our first ever episode. We're revisiting. We're doing that thing, that end of the year, beginning of the year thing where we review the last year. And man, this episode, it, well, uh, it was really important to me because it started all this. I know it was important to you, Chris. What do you, what do you think when you heard it again, man? It was crazy listening to the beginning of all of this. Mm. I mean, we've been doing this for about six months now. And looking back to the though I didn't know what to expect with this podcast mm. and with the world and how things were changing, um, I really do believe that was before I got indoctrinated into individualism, which is really fun <laughs> to listen to um, because I I was still looking at individualism from the outside perspective, and mm. I was just barely aware that it, that there was this dichotomy, and so um, it was it was fun to listen to, and I think we were on to something at that early mm. stage. We were like, this this mm. is an important topic, and I loved what we talked about, and mm. obviously looking back, you're like, ooh, I would change this or tweak this. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Even even after six months, you know, and six yeah. months, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you. Six months in 2020 is like three years. So we started this oh. podcast like three years ago. I know that's true. Yeah, that <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't even the same Chris, so I don't even know who that dude is. I was listening yeah. to him like, wow, that dude midway during quarantine just. He didn't yeah. know what was coming. He had no clue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, folks, uh, we really appreciate everybody that supported and listened to us. And we wanted to drop this uh, episode. It's our first candid episode uh, that's usually behind the Patreon paywall. Uh, and our patrons uh, patrons have got to listen to this, but y'all haven't yet. So we wanted to kind of let's, let you dip your toe in the water a little bit about the kind of conversations that Chris and I have sort of behind the scenes to build this show and uh, before we talk to each other and our guests. So uh, please enjoy and I uh, hope you, hope you enjoy the episode. So I wanted to start out with, with maybe just to tell me a little bit about like yourself and where you're, you know, where you're from and what kind of brought you to this conversation, I guess. I'm just a normal guy from Dallas, Texas. Uh, grew up in a very diverse cultural neighborhood of Richardson, Texas. Uh, growing up in Richardson, Texas, if you don't know, it is a very um, kind of tech kind of vibe neighborhood. It's very multicultural. Um, so you got my high school was really diverse from black, Indian, white, Asian, uh, just a kind of gambit. And having that experience and then growing up and going and experiencing other parts of the world, you realize not every place looks like that. And um, from that experience, I started to see the world a little bit differently. Um, and about that time, Trayvon Martin's killing had happened. And that woke me up to the realization that some things weren't as what I thought they were. And maybe I need to be communicating and, and speaking out with more people. And before that, I was in sports and radio broadcasting. And I just kind of took a shift to taking my communication skills to interacting with people and discovering diversity and having deep conversations with people from all walks of life. And that kind of brought me here to about eight years of discussing diversity, racism, and American culture. And um, I'm also a history teacher. So those things all help and focus me in on this one cause. And history and racism, I mean, those go hand in hand. Yeah, American you know. history. Well, world. American yeah. history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Crowley, which is a non-diverse town in, uh, in uh, South Fort Worth, 
you know, we've been to a couple of states. I've uh, been to uh, Florida and Colorado, you know, Kansas and Oklahoma. Nothing too uh, outside of my kind of where I, you know, grew up. It, it all looked yeah. the same. Had a particular uh, viewpoint about how the world worked and what went on. I, I think I had a, I had an understanding that that slavery happened, um, which I'm surprised there's not like slavery deniers. Uh, there, there probably are, but you know, I don't know, you know, like something like that. But, um, but you know, knew that was knew that that was it was bad, uh, really bad for for black people. That's my understanding. It was bad. That was it. That's all I had. Yeah. Uh, until about you know 1964 or five, and then things got better and better, and have been getting better as the years go by. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to be uh, uh, sound and be. Uh, my genuine self and that I could be, this is uh, ignorant and um, blind, you know? So uh, just that noted that that's, I'm, I'm uh, willing and to be corrected. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, so anyway, so I, I, I thought my job as a, as a white person was, well, there are still some problems. So, you know, cast, uh, when I do shows, cast, diver- you know, black people, uh, brown people, any, any, any people of color, indigenous folks, uh, you know, get them to par- partner with them to write, to direct, or to be on stage, um, those kind of things. Be nice to, to black people. Like that was another thing too. Um, yeah. uh, you know, things like that. So as long as I was doing those kind of things, then I wasn't a, the problem, right? I was not racist. Somebody invited me to a book club and somebody had said, I dare white people to read the first three chapters of this book. You know, I think I was about two days away from the murder of George Floyd. And if this is helpful, sure, I'll do this. Yeah. Um, and it was called The Demise of the Un- Unhuman or Inhuman uh, by Anna Monterio Ferreira. And um, it's a sort of a critique of Western thought. Uh, Wait, there's the other of- thoughts other than Western. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are uh critique of Western thought, uh, but, but more than that too, postmodern uh, modernism and postmodernism um, through the uh, Afrocentric lens or philosophy. And I read it and at the first, the first thing I thought was I, I have been lied to. I've been lied to and I've been miseducated. And I thought I I got, um, yeah, I just, it just felt like, well, wait a minute. I I thought the things were one way. Right. And then, and then he posted a video that said uh, that was from uh, Dr. Joy DeGru who wrote uh, uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome. Uh, It was about an hour hour and a half lecture. And she just kind of went through a really small history of, of what racism is really is how it started and, and, and just showed some of the, some of the trauma and some of the stuff that um, just the horrible dehumanization that's happened and that can, mm-hmm. and that is going on right now. And as I saw that, I don't know, Chris, I just had, you know, when I was, I don't know, about 20 or so, 20, 22, I had a real a pretty big spiritual experience. Um, I, I'm not, in the same place spiritually anymore, but it was definitely a conversion experience. And when I read that book and when I saw that video, um, I, I, it just kind of happened that it's indistinguishable from conversion in that I am 
profoundly, fundamentally changed. What came out was, you know, my brothers and sisters are dying and I'm benefiting from that. Mm. And, and that admission that I'm benefiting was the first sort of like step in like, okay, like there is a lot of stuff that I have to, um, to face. Right. Yeah. And so I know you and I, you and I, we did class with classes, uh, improv classes and stuff. I, I was teacher in, in an improv class that you did. And, and, um, of course you're hilarious and funny. And if y'all don't know Chris, I mean, he's just one of the funniest guys I know, but, um, thank you, you know, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he started releasing some videos and, and, um, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe Chris would want to talk about, have, have under uncomfortable conversations with a white guy that's, mm-hmm. that is, um, guilty, uh, at the same time, um, reversing the course, changing the course, repenting, whatever you want to call it and what that looks like. So, um, asked him if he wanted to talk and, and, uh, we, we, our first conversation I thought was fantastic. I mean, I really, I really felt like we connected in a lot of ways and, and, um, we decided to record this and, um, Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to, to see what it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what the conversation would look like. So, um, um, I know I talked to you a little bit or just, we texted about, um, topics and you, you brought up three and, uh, uh, stamina, individualism, and and possibly Western education indoctrination. Um, that one stuck out to me, but I, I wanted to I wanted to open it up to you to whatever you want to talk about, and I don't know. Yeah, um, I, and and I, I wanted to start with the the first two because I've noticed that these conversations are very heavy, and since I've been having them for so long, they get lighter for me. Mm -hmm. And for anyone that's listening, I don't want to jump into the heaviest part before they can can lift up the the simple things, right? And um, and and the the saddest part about a lot of this is, you know, when you lift the veil, the light is very bright the first time, and your eyes have to adjust, and and so with a lot of my peers that are white, what they're struggling with is the stamina to have these conversations. And Facebook is now an uncomfortable place for them because we've been having that combo for probably a week or a week and a half now and two weeks. And that's a lot. Yeah. That is, that is um, out the gate more than they've had their whole life. And, and, and that's overbearing. And so I, I if you are someone that has, had this conversation and you're like, look, I just want to get back to normal life and laughter and happiness. Uh, I totally understand that there's no, no, nothing wrong with that feeling, but you have to understand that some people like myself who are black, this is an everyday conversation for us, unfortunately. And it does take time to get that strength up. And kind of like you said, Richie, you, that initial feeling of ignorance, you can kind of feel guilty. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I struggle with the idea of necessarily being saddened or embarrassed or guilty because mm-hmm. ignorance is, there's no way to know something until you do. And there was nothing that you chose to do, uh, specifically maybe, um, yeah. to stay ignorant, but at the chance that you start hearing people for the first time, 
I encourage anyone that once you start hearing people to start educating yourself so that you're in charge of your own journey, because that's the only way it's going to actually stick. And that's how you're going to get stamina is by doing it on your own accord. To kind of address that, I think that's good too, is to talk about white guilt and like what that, you know, what that looks like. Um, for me, uh, the, I, I kind of run with the Brene Brown guilt versus shame. So, so guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am bad. I don't know where, I don't have an instance that I'm, that I can think of where I was uh, actively prejudiced toward black people at the same time when I saw things it didn't it didn't have I, I didn't allow the impact to to fully sink in I didn't sit with it I didn't yeah I didn't you know what I mean and to try to try to integrate and like in, in the in the sort of that integrate those thoughts into my body right like to to, to have it really sit and settle in, in and be a part of how, what I think about on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of black people that like, I don't care about your guilt. Like, please <laughs> shut that down right now. Like, I, I'm not worried about that. And I, I you know, I, I hear that. And I and, think and for my me, question, okay, go, go ahead. Go. Well, my, my question is, and, and my problem with, with this conversation in general is there are people not at your step yet. Right. So admitting guilt takes so much strength and, um, to look inward takes so much strength. And because this topic is already so heavy that those on the outskirts that hear white guilt, that is something that scares them into taking defense. They get defensive so quickly. And um, yeah, and so I I, my, that, yeah. Yeah, my fear is more of putting other people off when the truth isn't that you you didn't cognizantly make those choices. It was completely from ignorance. And I was there too. That's another thing is so many black kids, especially middle class, middle class black kids grow up with a complex that's denigrating. They degrade some blackness because that is what they were taught as well. And and I don't feel guilty of those thoughts because I know why I have them. I now am educated enough to say, I, I learned these, someone actually specifically taught this to me, and I'm more frustrated with them than I am with my own um, part that I played in it. And so I just, I, I, I don't want white people to feel like they can't even start the conversation if they haven't felt guilty, because so, so many people are very prideful, and and that's a hard, that's a hard step. But I commend you for being able to do it at the same time. You know, I hear, I hear that completely. I struggle with maybe taking on too much of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, and for me, like as a white man, benefit that benefit part was really yeah. the killer. It's almost but, like yeah, you're def- complicit in it. Yeah, yeah. Where where am I? Because I, I've obviously I've obviously benefited from this system. So what do I do with that? <laughs> and that's where I'm. You know, part of why I'm here is is because I'm hearing from from black voices that the well, one of them is to talk. You know, one is talk to each other. You know, dialogue. Yes. I don't know. Keep the dialogue going because that's part of what I'm learning about Afrocentric philosophy. Is it is, uh, and this may bring us to individualism. It is community mm-hmm. based, community based versus individual based. Like it's it's built around relationship and and connection versus individual success. The individual has so much less, and uh, it, 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 it completely bangs against Western thought. And I've always known this to be true. And and now that we're talking about the difference between the Afrocentric world and the Western world, the philosophy, I've always felt 
that the community aspect of my family and the people that are in my communities, when we get together and all we want to do is just communicate and share we, the, the individual work ethic mentality has been taught to me to be a requirement. And because I don't think that way naturally, I am therefore lazy. And that self doubt just circles and circles. I don't know how you take a culture from Africa and yet still in part of them is that communication and that uh, tribal group success over the individual still persists. Uh, even though every day the education I get from America is to be that one individual. I don't know if it's a racial thing, if it's a cultural thing, if I learned the Afrocentric psychology, I, I really don't no, and I don't know if other cultures share that either. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, um, I, like I'm reading books about this stuff. One, one is uh, my my grandmother's hands um, mm -hmm. by Racima Men. Racima Men. Yeah, yeah. By Racima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that, Racima. So she has a perfect example uh, in in her talks. Like, where did you learn to cook? You learned to cook from your your parents, your mother or father, mm -hmm. whoever you was to cook in your house, and where they learned to cook. Right. And it's yeah. the same. I think, I think, I think the parallel is correct. And that that's also how we learn to think it's about ourselves and about other people, about the world, about uh, what's important, uh, whether it be individual success or community success, success. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this, Richie, uh, going back to the, the concept of the individual and the collective unity, when you, what I've noticed is when I'm around white people and I'm having a conversation, the beginning of the conversation is typically, well, what do you do? What, what is your occupation? Like the perception is that that is. Oh yeah. Life. And I'm, I'm curious if you have noticed that too, because when black people approach other black people, we are never worried about what that person does for a living. It's just, how is that person doing as a person? Well, that, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that is a hundred percent part of a part of white, like white culture is that's what men do specifically men, right. Is, yeah. yeah. What do you, I mean, Hey, you know, you know, my name's Richie, whatever else. Hey, Jim, whatever. Well, so what do you do? Yeah. And, they, and we're specifically talking about what is your job where you make money at? Um, we never talk about anything else that is that I, now that's that's interesting, Chris, because I didn't know that. I didn't know. So so, what do what do black people talk about when they meet one another? What what, what is goodness. that? It is so different. And that was when I first started feeling the cultural differences. Uh, a black person approaches another black person, and it's it can be considered slang because that's just how we uh, qualify black communication. But it's just, hey, what's good? Like, wh how is your life? How's your mom? How how what? What are you experiencing from day to day? Are you happy? Are you sad? Like, what's good? How you feeling? Is everything all right? Tell me about your people. It's never that literally after I've talked to someone for 30, 40 minutes and I go, yo, by the way, what do you do for like money? <laughs> but it's laugh. <laughs> wow. Every wow. time. When, when white people say, what do you do? Like it's, it's sizing up one another. Oh, hundred percent value um, judging. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Value judgment. Um, and, and, and this is, I think this is, is, um, uh, implicit bias or whatever, but it's also socially, where do you stand? Where oh, are yes. you, are you the kind of person that, um, I can take out to, to like Ruth's Chris, 
<laughs> where I go every week? Or are you the kind of person that eats McDonald's? Yep. And, and then if I get you in that right category, then I know how to treat you. And it, that to me is another symptom of racism, right? It's something, it's just a holdover from that system that's in place that we've been taught that we categorize this as, you know, those kind of things instead of, instead of it's us, you know, like for us by like FUBU for us by us, it doesn't, it almost doesn't compute because what do you mean we really that? don't, well, like white people in America, at least in my experience, let me say that in my experience, the white people that I know, we are dying for culture. We are dying oh. for, we are dying for community in that. And I, that, okay, let me, and let, me get, let me back up dying in a metaphorical sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, so there's real, you know, uh, so um, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a huge uptick in like DNA tests for 23andMe or Ancestry.com over the last, I don't know, 20 years or 10 years or whatever. Right. Because I mean, I don't know that many, I don't know of any black people. Black people don't do it. <laughs> They're not doing it. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I know where I come from. Yeah. Right? So it's like not a, you know, no um, need. No need. Yeah. No need. But that's that. I think that's part of it. Right. So, but we, hmm. but we then, and what I think is in sort of insidious and, 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 um, uh, I think, I think the powerful are taking advantage of are they know it's a need. And so I'm going to give you culture. I'm going to give you Democrat and I'm going to give you Republican. I'm going to give you rich and I'm going to give you poor. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to give you these, these systems. This That's is, culture. and this is your culture. And if you're Republican, you get ABCD, you know, or if you're Democrat or whatever, this thing and the other, and we're so hungry for mm. where are, Chris, I want to know where my people are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I have a deep groaning in my chest. Where are my people? Wow. Now for me, I have found that a lot of that though, in comedy, like in the comedy circles that I've run in at the same time, it is, it's not, it's not, it's not that deep connection to the land. It's not the deep connection to uh, where my blood has been, you know, right. and yeah, where the roots of, of just my being are. But Europe is so multicultural and so diverse. Yeah. That we, there's no way that we could say that's our, that's where we came from. That's our home. Right. Um, and. Um, well, cause yeah. a lot of people, once they came to America, they, they were forced to strip that of themselves because you were, you were, um, persecuted for being Irish. You were persecuted yeah. for for being Jewish or whatever unique group you came from. You were almost required to strip that of yourself. And so whiteness is no longer European. Um, right. Oh, oh, 100%. 100%. It's a categorization. That's it. Right. It's a categorization. And yeah, I mean, there's it has it has very little to do other than it's not black. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, on it, like, that's what I, that's how I see it is that it's, it's not, white is not black. And, and, yeah. and we're taught that black is, is uh, the, um, less than. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whether, whether implicitly or complicitly, um, it's just, it, it's everywhere. You know, when you're, and you talk, I mean, you listen to like former KKK people or Nazi people or whatever else that come and talk about their experience every time, every, almost every time it is. I had, I didn't have any connection to any community. 
I had no oh, connection wow. with any community. And and it, you mentioned kind of how how things get passed down. I I wish I could, you know, quantifiably say where I got my security from. Um, but I but I culturally am aware that white security is in a handgun and black security is in a family, is in a, a, a culture, is in a group, is it and um and that that has played out in many different ways. And so I, I don't know how many black people are aware of the lack of culture in the white society. Um a lot of times we're just we're just aware of we're not white. <laughs> That's yeah. what we know. Well, and it's just I think it's just as offensive to white people to say you don't have culture. To to say that, right? Because they'll go, No, I, I have I have culture, community, I have my church. Cool. Um uh does your church help help you buy your house? Does your church help you buy your cars? Does your church help you uh, get jobs? Does it protect you when you're going to court? Does it, you know, or whatever, like any, any of these things that, um, you know, we need in our life, is it doing that? Or are you there to be a part of that thing? And you have your individual part because it's about an individual salvation. It's not the salvation mm -hmm. of a nation or a people or just humans in general. It's your individual thing. I mean, even our groups are separated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and um yeah i mean it's it's but it's offensive it's uh, my my larger point is it's it's offensive to say that white, white people don't have culture and so See, yeah <laughs> i what's so interesting is that that culture and community piece um for the for those because again i've been doing this this uh discussion on racism for a long time and when anyone is ready to refute that racism exists and they're against and they're against anti-racism which is sad but it's true that there are people against it their argument is that the problem isn't with racism it's with black culture black mm. culture is the reason that you are where you are wow and and they ignore the fact that black culture is specifically degraded and black culture is my culture and if you tell me my culture is the problem that is also still part of the problem and i like this conversation because i want to reach others do you mm -hmm. think it is more digestible for a ignorant and i'm using that in the fact of ignorant of western indoctrination because they're in it so they can't see it um is it easier for them to see systemic racism as the consistent predication of race and not the degradation of black people um maybe i mean i when white people talk about race it is first of all taboo <laughs> yeah right you don't talk about it i can't talk to my boss about well what was it what, how did your whiteness impact your day-to-day -day? or whatever <laughs> i mean even that sentence i know is a silly sentence because i know that you know, you probably don't say, how's your blackness impact you? You know, to black people, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, Honestly, we, we might. Okay, <laughs> that's why I laugh because we might. Okay, there you go. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, which it's is perfect. Is healthier than not talking about it. And um, so, so, and, and we, and um, um, we talk about this and um, 
uh, and D'Angelo talks about this in, in White Fragility, like that there is this, um, there's this taboo and it's, it's good versus bad. I, you know, if you say something's racist, that means they're a bad person, mm-hmm. not stuck in a system, a, a, not stuck in a system or, or, or benefiting from a system. Right. And that's right. why I love the, the dichotomy of racist or anti-racist because, because really I think that's what it is, is your, is, is your in or out. You're either, mm-hmm. um, either race is real in, and I know, I know it's made up at the same time it affects people the effects are real um or you're either part of that fighting that you're or even just by your silence you're complicit so um it's a anti-racist anti-racist right is and i love that i love that language so much because because it's just we i i have been trained i have been socialized i have been groomed not to talk about race mm-hmm. we don't talk about it i mean post-racial society is, is the language oh, yeah. used, you know, well, we, we elected Obama. So that must mean that we're past race now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a desperate, desperate cry from white people that like, please, please let it be over. I know that sounds super oh, weird. Interesting. Please let it be over because there is so much internal dissonance. And in, I would, I would imagine the average white person, there's so much internal so dissonance. Terrifying internal dissonance because internal dissonance will help you will disagree with something right in your face because it doesn't feel good yeah the lady that called the cops on the, the black man in new york city she did a a she weaponized racism and then said the next day i'm but i'm not a racist mm. because racists you know that because because that's so bad so at some in some levels that's good in that it's at least acknowledging that racism is bad and it's really bad it's awful yeah so we're, so, so that's why they I, know that much they know that much and some on some intrinsic level or we know that much I'm not they I'm I'm part of it okay we know, right. yeah, I mean I'm for real like we know <laughs> that much um, and it's and it's now we're at a point, and we've been at these points before, but now it's the point where are we going to start talking about dad's drinking? Are we going to start talking about the damage that we have either allowed to go on, or been a part of, or just been ignorant of, and and being like, and 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 I, you know, I think it's I really appreciate you talking about guilt earlier because, you know people's idea we can have great definitions but some people hold on to guilt as like this crushing emo you know i feel like i know that i've been paralyzed by it in, in some points we had a discussion last year at a uh, like a, a group and i you know i was like i feel paralyzed but part wow. of that paralyzation is because i'm so guilty like i because i'm so much full, so full of shame well that's not what's being asked you know what i mean yeah, you, Chris, uh, just the black voices that are that are on the street that that have been speaking out for years are not asking for our guilt. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and, and that to me, I mean, honestly, to hear you saying I was I was waiting with bated breath when you said no, no, nope. you said no, because, you know, I don't <laughs> know that I believe that, you know, yeah, because oh, it's, wow. so I got you. it's so ingrained wow. <laughs> because that's why, so interesting. <laughs> why wouldn't you want that? Um, you know, and, and, oh yeah. For, uh, this, this one philosopher, uh, what is his name? 
Farouk African, I can't remember his name right now. Um, he literally said a lot of, he believes that a lot of people who are white are fearful that black people want revenge and want you to feel pain. Yeah. When the truth is, we just want you to be awake and be aware, like know and talk about this stuff because it's here. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to be in turmoil. I don't, most of us don't even want reparations for something that was a long time ago. We just want it to stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And and it's, um, you know, it's, it's facing that. I mean, this is, you know, I, I say white people don't have a culture. I, you know, I've been saying that for a while this, through this conversation mm-hmm. at the same time, Chris, and this is going to, man, white people, racism is part of white culture. That is, that is the core of it. Like that is that what binds us and the secret that we don't talk about when we don't talk about moms, why mom can't pick us up from school, or we don't talk about, you know, why dad isn't at home at two or comes in at two 30 in the morning or whatever, like that secret, whatever your secret, you know, those, those things that we've had Mm -hmm. in our individual lives, we as a community, as white people in America that speaking about America, I'm not speaking about other places, but in America, this is, this is that. And it means yeah. if we, there are so many untreated, um, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they call them Al-Anons, which are family members that are impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the same. So it's, it's, it's like, there's this thing that we just, it's, we think if we don't talk about it, it'll go away or it'll be nice. That's, that's all that great. Make America great again. Remember when we didn't talk about this stuff, remember when we didn't have to look at our history, remember when we didn't have to look at ourselves, remember oh. when, when we could ignore what we have done. Remember that? That was good. That's what I want to go to. And that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a hundred percent what it is. And it's speaking to that, uh, that trauma that we're carrying around in us that, we're here on the level that we're at um the benefit the benefits that we enjoy because of this horrible horrible thing well i've seen historically and america's not alone in this and this this could be worldly as well but um having someone else to not be to be like at least i'm not black or at least i'm not a communist or at least i'm not a socialist like those things are what i've seen unite white culture um and it's kind of like what you said earlier like they need a group but also they need another group to not be and um and i've i've seen for a long time and i've heard a lot of white people feel that as long as long as they're not black, they're doing something, you know, they're, they're in a better place. Uh, and that comes from slavery because if you're poor during slavery, you didn't like that you were poor, but you weren't a slave. Well, cause I, I like picking back up on the uh, relationship between um, the whites that are, categorized as either poor or have nots, you know, cause it's always mm-hmm. a tale of two cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the black community who, um, I mean, it, 
ironically, when I think about the black community, the last thing we're going to think about is poor whites, not like either poor whites are allies or they're just other people here. There's no animosity or anything. Right. But, um, but I've heard of, of such animosity coming the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and I think that again, it's, it, it's part of that, um, that internal dissonance, um, you know, there's, you know, James Baldwin said the bills do. <laughs> and I think this is yeah. part of that, you know, and, and I think people want to sort of try to weaponize that and say, oh, well, you see that black people want you to be, uh, they want you to take all your stuff and they want to kill you and cause you pain. And they're going to do exactly what you did. Now that, that is never, I mean, even, even like the most militant black person, like we'll say like Malcolm X or, or um, mm-hmm. Elijah Muhammad, they didn't care. Like the most militant uh, movements were like the most militant. <laughs> we don't want anything to do with you. That was their, that was their, you know, that was their end goal. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't to kill <laughs> white people. That's an invention of white people. That's an invention of people in power, white people in power. Black on black crime is a saying now, right? Because the media wants to focus on that part of um, mm. the black plight. But these yeah. things that are actual white struggles don't get talked about on a racial term. Um, but when you do lack community and when you do lack uh, that cultural um, peace, I think you it's easier to feel alone. And I and it, it those things bother me to a core. And yeah. um, and and I hate seeing that, but I'm always curious why it's not as prevalent in the black community. Well, and and I think too. I mean, just okay. So as a white person, um, what's the lady, lady's name? Rachel. Rachel. What, what was her name in Seattle? Wherever she was, uh, uh, she was like tried to become black or whatever, or like. In oh, really- oh yes. Uh, oh man. Uh, Rachel Dolezal. Okay. So yes, I, I, you know, what, what she did, I think was wrong at the same time. I a hundred percent, I, I really think I understand what she was doing, doing, because I think she saw her whiteness and was like, I don't want that. What do I do? Right. Yeah. The, the lack of the lack of culture, um, you try to find it, you try to look for it. Where is it? And, and, and black culture is like a hundred percent. It's like you, you, anybody knows what you're talking about, right? <laughs> Instantly. Yeah. Right? When you say, say black culture and, 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 and y'all can, y'all can talk about and work out and, and, you know, issues and stuff that's, that are going on. They're the same, but they're the same issues that are going on with the people, with other people too. Like white people kill each other more like in the, you know, like they, we just kill each other. There's black on black crime is the same as it is on white, white on white crime. White people kill white people. This is statistically true. Black people kill black people, you know, that kind of thing. Like we, we are segregated in that, um, in that statistic specifically. Right. So, so when, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's part of it is like that, that we don't, we just don't have, I, I don't know, I'm repeating myself, but we don't have something to grab onto. And so when it's offered and somebody says, you know, oh, well, you know, really it's the Jews that did all this, or really it's the blacks that did all this. Um, or here's, here's a, here's something for you to feel good about yourself because you feel so bad about yourself. Right. How, how, how mm-hmm. can that hatred 
knowing there's something about being human. It doesn't matter if, if, if you're, if you see, you know, the, the worst person that you could think of in front of you, seeing them tortured, mm. something inherently human in you is like, that's not right. Correct. But, we're, but in order uh, to meet, to try to meet our needs of safety and security, we have to find a way to convince ourselves that uh, okay. it's okay. And then that, that cognitive dissonance lives in our body. It lives in our, in our thoughts. It lives in our bones and our muscles and our, and our DNA. And we pass it, we have passed it down. It's passed down to me, passed down generationally. I think it's very similar or at least it parallels very well with my understanding of alcoholism and the disease and how it works. Um, it affects everyone around you and uh, in different ways. And uh, it's, it is the same sort of insidious secret that you can't, it's the worst thing in the world in an alcoholic home to talk about the alcoholic, right? Like really? in a lot of those homes, you don't, don't talk. talk about the drink it. Yeah. You, it's a secret. And I think the secret of white people in America is, is systemic racism. That's the secret. Yeah. That's, that's what we've been holding on to. And, uh, I, I think people are waking. I mean, I, I know they are. I mean, there's oh yeah tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people in the street right now, probably it's yeah. seven fifty two here. It's, you know, what are you six? So, you know, I'm, you know, that are that are waking up to this and um but i don't but know if, why you know, if there's a a, a lack because i i never have okay so i was uh listening to uh what is his name stokely carmichael stokely carmichael i hope i'm i need to just look it up to make sure i'm saying his name right yeah, Stokely Carmichael. He was a political activist, friends with Martin Luther King. Uh, he was not assassinated like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X because he moved to Africa. Uh, oh, <laughs> so wow. he, he lived a long, long, healthy life. But uh, he was at Berkeley back in 68, I believe. And he just had a speech and it was talking about how he, he's the one that coined black power. That's what he's most famous for. And um, and ironically, black power is a needed statement when you grow up in a society that says otherwise. And I know some people see it as a, a racist thing, reverse racist or whatnot. But unfortunately, it was just a requirement to feel self-worth when you grow up in the society. Um, yeah. But what he said flipped it all on my head on on its head that I had never thought about. He specifically said that all men are equal, right? Every human being on the planet is equal, but white men need laws to tell them that. Mm. And that changed how I perceived it all is the, the slaves were free people, but until the law was passed, white people could not accept that. Slave, uh, black people in America were always equal, but until they passed the civil rights, white people could not accept that. Yeah. And that, that was a fundamental change for me. And a, a buddy of mine said this to me the other day. He said, the N word is used to call black people ignorant, 
But the truth of it is it allows white people to stay ignorant. Hmm. And that was profound for me because so many white people are ignorant to the world and worldliness. And they are they are just content in the indoctrination of white superiority. Right. I, I mean, I guess I would be comfortable in it, too, if it was telling me I was superior every day. So. Um, yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, hearing that. Um, you know, of course, it's uncomfortable to hear that at the same time. Um, I you you see it. You see it with white folks right now. So like this whole, uh, you know, predominantly white um, outcry of all lives matter or blue lives mm-hmm. matter because that that law is so important to them safety mm-hmm. is so safety is so important um you know uh, and 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 i think you're while i i assume safety is important to black people is individual safety is not the utmost important that's nope. never been my experience that's never been my experience even when um you know because we have people. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm a little like I'm five eight, right on a good day, and um, I'm I'm not a big dude, uh, and I'm happy go lucky. But in, if there was ever a problem, I know fifteen people that have my back and will be there with me, and they're always there because I'm never I've never thought of myself as alone in that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, of the, of, of the, the black people that I've known in my life, um, several stood up for me. So I was, um, I was shipped to, um, Florida. My mom, my mom is the breadwinner in her home. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up and, 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 uh, we went out to Jacksonville and, um, we were put up in, you know, it's like apartment thing or whatever. And, and they're like, you know, just go to the school or whatever else. And it was a, it was, I mean, it was a majority black school. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a really tough time. I had a really tough time. Uh, really? There, yeah. It was just, um, at one, at one interaction, which is, there's a couple that are memorable from the experience. One is getting just sort of beat. And well, I mean, it was, I was beaten up by a whole group, group of people. Wow. And, you know, with your eyes closed, you don't care what color, uh, you know, you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but at the same time, like it was, it was a lot of that, like, and, and that's whatever. I mean, that's, it's just, it's kids, it's kids doing what kids are shown to do. I'm not, but there was a guy that was on my bus that sat at the very back of the bus and he was the king. And for whatever reason, he had my back. Mm. And it was so like profound because I'd never had that before that like, wait a minute, you, you, why do you even, I don't, I don't offer you anything. He's just like, no, I'm just, just leave him alone. And I don't know his reasons. Cause we weren't even friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. it was just, and, and I had the similar experience in high school where a guy that was a full on, like in Crips for whatever yeah. reason was like, somebody's picking on me. Some redneck, you know, was slamming me into a locker. He puts his hand like on my chest and like, I got this rich. You know, and so it's like, and went after that guy. So I'm like, what? I that doesn't come out of my experience with white people. Interesting. Um, I'm not saying that there's not other people, white people, that are protective or or just that offer that, but just in my experience, that has not been the case. Yeah. And so, um, 
don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. And nice and uh, when I say white, and that's the that and this is a, I mean, uh, def. This is where definitions are important. Important, right? In this conversation, because because you mentioned it earlier, six hundred years ago, white and black. That's a construct. That is a pseudoscience BS construct that doesn't have any kind of scientific foundation whatsoever. There are no races. We are all human. We are all part mm -hmm. of the same race. And, um, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, I get in a lot of trouble because you're right. Definitions are important. And I, I contribute to me when I think racism or racist, my original Chris Beasley definition is seeing that there are differences in the race, like just being, mm -hmm cognizantly yeah. aware of races to me is racist mm. and obviously we don't use it that way and so i gotten a lot of flack for calling people racist <laughs> that don't have devout hatred in their heart yeah. um because i don't see i i see it as i guess a slippery slope or whatnot if you can see race then you are going to um you're going to act accordingly and uh and there are people that say that they don't see race which to me isn't addressing America's problem. That's the only problem I have with that. Because uh, yeah. America teaches race. We right. all have been, we all learned it. You can't not, uh, unfortunately. And yeah. that is not real, like you said. Well, that's why, I was, that's why I think it's, a, I mean, I'm with you. I'm so, it's so important because race is a construct. While it is not real, we are really in the system. We are really <laughs> a part of the system. This, the system is reality. It's based yeah. off nonsense. But that nonsense has has had disastrous effects on white and black people in this indigenous people in this country. So, you know, Latinx people in this country. So it's mm -hmm. just America and it's every American citizen. I mean, I love I'm, you know, I've been listening to listening and reading to a lot of James Baldwin and he uses the phrase my countrymen. Mm. Uh, he puts himself in because that's what um that's what we are you know you're my country yeah you know and and, and so um i don't uh yeah i just uh maybe i'm wearing down but i i yeah i it, it is a, it is a construct and we are really in that construct so it's you know it's it has disastrous consequences so to deny that i'm white deny that you're black um to me ignores ignore yeah ignores that system ignores that system yeah 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 no i and i think this has been a, a beautiful discussion because uh, yeah. the, the 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 key things that i just want to wrap up is mm -hmm. um the the white fragility or the lack of stamina mm -hmm. those those two things are kind of the, the first stepping stone is 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 realizing that there's a lot of a lot of information out there and the discussions need to be happening and it's and just getting your toes in the water i think is okay for your first few yeah. days and weeks but but it can't you can't stop there and a lot of times when these things happen the white community stops because it isn't easy to continue yeah um and if if people can do that and realize that individualism is an american and western construct it, that isn't even how all countries operate and it's so easy for americans to 
kind of pat ourselves on the back for our own individual successes uh, and then degrade those who don't think and act the same ways as we do. And that's another piece on racism that we can delve into later. But yeah. um, black the black community isn't quote unquote lazy. Um, we might have different values, but but we're definitely not quote unquote lazy. And um, and then, yeah, just the indoctrination that basically creates us all to be some form of racist. Those those all things exist. But if you just learn about it, I mean, Richie, man, you are impressive, bro, because the the knowledge that you have acquired in five weeks, six weeks is it's like it's literally the right way because there's some radical stuff out there. There's some stuff that black people I would me I would assume is uncomfortable for white people. Mm-hmm. Um but and that's not the goal. I don't want white people to be uncomfortable because then well I guess it's required but <laughs> but uh I hear yeah yeah I want it to be as good as possible. So I gotta commend you even though um uh, you got a long ways to go and you just started man you you have some great literature and you should share what you've been discovering uh, with people um, as often as possible. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. And that's what part of, I mean, that's what kind of sitting down with you. It, I, I want this to be, you know, it's just, just sharing, sharing our experiences and, uh, um, learn, learning from one another. Like I, I, I was so excited to hear you learn things about white people today. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But in the same and vice versa, I was like, you know, hearing lots of lots of different things that I just didn't I didn't know. Um because we yeah. we, we are so unfortunately we were segregated in a lot, a lot of ways. And um, you know, so Chris, I really appreciate you doing this. Um be just being a part be going on this with me, just being a part of this with me. I mean, I just feel um I feel honored. I feel loved. Um, and uh, so thank you. thank you. Thank you, man, so much. Thank you, Richie. Um, I, again, I've been doing this a long time. And I, earlier I said I, I don't feel alone in a lot of things, but these conversations get lonesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I really appreciate you, man, because uh, this is a first for me As, uh, with a white person. This is a first, and I know a lot of my black brothers and sisters, we are all kind of blown away by the mantle that has been, you know, at least touched, if not completely picked up yet. Like white people are at least acknowledging that there's a mantle that needs to be lifted and that that is uh, instrumental in this generation. But like you said, those things have happened before. You know, there were abolitionists, uh, there were civil rights activists, and so I don't know what stage we're in now, but... We're trying to tear down the system, the systemic racism. Uh, that that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Okay, man. So that was the first time you and I talked. You and I knew each other for a little for a minute, but we, you know, we hadn't sat down. And no. I, I mean, it's and it's so crazy, you know, to to think about our relationship then as to now, and and individually where we are in each place. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed getting to hear your perspective for the first time and just kind of see where we connected, but also where we were different and just mm-hmm. talking through our uh, uniting as we were kind of uniting as a team 
which was also kind of the goal of the podcast was to unite the country and these two yeah. different perspectives. And so uh, that was good. It was very fresh. That was fun. Yeah, for sure. I did want to, I did want to go over a couple of things, a couple of like things that in retrospect, um, I painted whites with a pretty broad brush uh, and I'm still sort of okay with that. <laughs> oh, that's um, but one of the things that we did talk about though is, and one of the things that I brought up is that, you know, white people don't talk about race and in 2020 or the end of, by, by the end of 2020 here in 2021, they are. Yeah. And that's a huge step forward. I think that's a huge step is to, is to, is, is there's a huge part of the population that is acknowledging that this is still going on. This is still these, these categories while, while we can, we can know the history of them and know they're just pseudoscience and they were made up their people are still affected by them. And we are talking about it. And, and I said in the show, you know, I can't go to my boss and talk about my whiteness, man. The other day I did. Wow. And it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like my, the, this, there's the C, C, uh, CTO, and below him is my boss's boss's boss. And I talk with her about that. That's and, powerful. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to have her on the show, actually. So uh, I'm going to, if she's listening to this, uh, you know who you are. I'm not going to say your name because <laughs> she hadn't agreed yet. Right. But right. Uh, it's, it's, it, some things are changing. And, and that's um, those conversations. We know how powerful those are personally, but I'm, I'm hoping they keep, keep going. So uh, is there yeah. anything that stuck out like that for you? Wow. I mean, I love how you look back and you could definitely see the growth and the change in us and in the country. I think that's really mm -hmm. cool. You know, for me, looking back at some of the things that we were discussing, I was not um, fully understanding that disconnect of culture. Right. And I was very mm -hmm. eye open to that. Um, yeah. And sitting here in 2020 and thinking about black culture and just some of the things that I, I want black culture to be able to learn about from white culture that we already, we kind of vilify. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I just want a deeper understanding of, you know, how can we use some of that white magic? Like we talked about before and yeah. um, how can we build up the black community in those aspects as well? Um, and, and just see that growth a little bit. And so I, I think that Chris was very aware of um, the black culture strengths and mm -hmm. the white culture not really having culture was something I learned about. And now as I look back, it's like, oh, but hey, Chris, you missed out on mm. what the black culture can learn from the white culture and what the white culture can learn from the black culture. And so yeah, this sure. podcast has given me that. And looking back, hearing that kid, it's like, oh, man, there's always something to learn. And that was a big piece that mm -hmm. took away. Yeah, for sure. So I hope uh, I hope you all appreciated that episode. Enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we, we just, we're so thankful for this last year. I know in the middle of all this craziness, uh, something really great happened, you know, in our lives. And, and, and I know that there's those, those great things are continuing to happen. 2020, 2021 is a new year. Uh, it's a new start. So, um, if you could, I, I mean, you know, if at the very least, you know, if you, if you can't support us on Patreon, we'd love to have you on Patreon. You get access to, to us. You can message us and talk to us on there. Uh, you'll get early episodes and you'll get these candid episodes uncut. Uh, so you kind of hear how this, you know, see how the sausage is made and, and, <laughs> and Chris and I are real, you know, um, and, and in those conversations, 
but also just supporting this conversation too. You know, you get to be a part of what's going on. We, we're really proud of our patrons and patrons, and we're really excited that they're doing that. Uh, but even if you can't do that, we understand. I understand completely. Uh, you know, hit us up with a rating or review on on iTunes. You know, let it let them know. Put out put those five stars up there, and, and just let them know what you think of the show. And if you're ever listening, guys, man. If there's something we say that hits you in a way where you're either angry or you're mm-hmm. excited, mm-hmm. tell us that timestamp so we can go back and cover that and connect with you on those points. Really hit Absolutely. us with those timestamps in the comments, uh, wherever you're listening. If, you ha- if you're rating us or if you're a Patreon supporter, drop a timestamp so we can really discuss some of the things that y'all are seeing on y'all's end or what y'all are hearing. Yeah, for sure. And and the, and we're not trying to offend or upset. And when we do, we want to talk about it. We just don't want to be, we don't want to be that divided binary thing that's we, we the rest of the country, you know, is dealing with on social media. This is the real social media guys. I, I hate to sound like a radio guy, but I, that's, what, that's this is it. This is real social media right here. And so we just ask you to be a part of it for sure. Yes. Burr, 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 burr. Like, <laughs> this is it. You were listening to live radio right, and perfect right. allies. So come join. <laughs> let's talk. Let's discuss together. Catch, follow us next week. And we just are going to keep talking. Find us at Allies Imperfect on Twitter, Imperfect mm-hmm. Allies on Facebook. We're going to start growing uh, LinkedIn, YouTube. This is 2021. We really want to grow our allyship and reach new people who are willing to make mistakes and grow. So let's kick it. Peace. Peace.